real sports talk for real sports fans. 1700, the champ. Hey, everybody, welcome in. It is a Wednesday here, Jimmy B and TC, and we cannot wait to get started. Coming up on the show today, Ian Castleberry will join us as we will talk Major League Baseball and the Game 1 of the World Series last night. Game 2 is tonight. Also, Matt Nelson, wide right natty light on the Iowa State Cyclones. They get ready for Texas Tech in football, and it's Big 12 Media Days as well for basketball. How you doing, partner? Can't complain, Jimmy B, but you're here, and uh, that means you didn't win the lottery yeah. last night. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I gave it. I gave it. Hey, I spent twenty bucks. <laughs> I went big. Twenty bucks. <laughs> Why would you ever spend twenty dollars on the lottery, Jim? I I thought I was going to win. I I had convinced myself that it had my my name written on it. Oh, Jimmy I was, B. I was set. I was set, pal. I was I was really going to take care of you. I would have written you a check right away. To fix that leak. Well, I mean, no, I no. Done that. I, I would have asked for a lot more from you, Jim. I mean, I've been carrying you oh. for three years now. I, I figure that's got to be worth at least a mortgage payment, doesn't it? Man, oh, man, I know that you're kind of bent over there a little bit. You need one of those back supports now. <laughs> been doing it for years. I'm used to it, Jimmy B, <laughs> carrying your carcass along with us. Well, we got plenty to get into here today. World Series tonight. We'll talk more about that with Ian Castleberry. We got a lot of Cyclone talk coming up with Matt Nelson, Big 12 Basketball Media Days, and I guess the big story of the day, Jimmy B, is uh, we go down there to Kansas City. What we found out today from Steve Prome is he's talking with the media, a lot more going on here with Cameron Lard. It is not as simple as he went through the wellness program, he's completely back in good standing. A lot more what is being called disciplinary measures still needs to be uh, hurdles he has to overcome. Well, apparently it still stems from what took place uh, last year and into the first part of this year. So I I guess that he didn't play in the so-called secret scrimmage. I don't know why they call that, because everybody knew they were playing Nebraska. Um, He's not going to play, I don't think, uh, Trent, in the first coming games because of this. So uh, Steve Prome is obviously going to going to try to send a strong message here. Hey, look, you got to, you know, do it. It's our way or the highway, kid. And sometimes that's difficult to deal with when you're a young man like that with a few issues. But, hey, that's the way it's got to be if you want to play basketball. Oh, no doubt. And you understand the reasoning behind this. There is so much upside to the game of Cam Lard, but he has had a lot of issues. I mean, Jimmy B., how often do we hear about anything like this even happening? A guy in college being sent off to wellness a wellness program. It's it's something completely in a different stratosphere than what we're used to in college sports, Jim. Do you know a time? Can, can you think of a time where we've had something like this? I have never heard of uh, of a student uh, a student athlete being sent to a so called wellness program. I'm sure maybe that's just a term now that uh, everybody is using. Uh, guys have been sent to drug rehab, and I, I get that. Um, I don't know if somebody had a, a student athlete had a drinking problem if he went to AA. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they would say that if that was a wellness program now. Uh, you know, terminology has changed over the years, but it was obviously something that the school felt this young man needed to do. 
And he did go. I'm going to give him credit for that. And I just hope that it works and the kid can straighten out his life and, and be a, a, a productive, not only basketball player, but a productive student and then a productive adult in society. There's no doubt, because as talented as he is, Jim, you know the numbers, you know the percentages, you know the difficult nature of getting to the league and, and making that oh, jump yes. up there. With the right breaks and the right opportunity, could it happen? Sure. I, I think there's that kind of upside to his game, but he still has a lot to overcome to get to that level, Jim. Oh, there's no question, Trent. I mean, look, there's if he thinks that he is a, an NBA player, he's not even close not even close. And if his friends are telling him, oh, man, you don't need college, you can go right to the assault. No, you can't, dude. I hope you're listening. No, you can't. You're not good enough. Somebody's got to look the guy in the face and tell him that. I mean, look, I, I want nothing but the best for the young man. I really do. And I hope he's able to deal with the issues that he has, Trent, and he is able to overcome those. I'd love to see him stay in school for a few more years, be a, uh, a good student, and be a productive basketball player. And if he is, good things might happen for this guy. But you have to take the first step, and you have to be your own man first. You have to look out after yourself before you look out for anybody else. You know, another component of this, Jim, that, that you're left wondering about, I think, a little bit is – you know, with the injury that they have already with Solomon Young and with the groin injury, went to see a specialist, we're not positive how quickly he's going to be back. And if it is end of December, early January, even at that point, I, I think it's still a question mark of when you're actually going to see him on the floor. Michael Jacobson, he's going to be out there. He's going to be man in the, the five position, if you will. But then after that, if it is two, three, four, five games, whatever it is for Cam Lard, who else do they have in the middle? They're going to play small. I get that, but you got to have some kind of big guy. I mean, e- even when Golden State goes small, they still got Draymond out the five, and who's a really good rebounder and an excellent defender of big guys. You still have to have somebody in there that can play inside. Who is it, Jimmy B? Who else do they I, have? I, well, they're going to have to go to the young guys. I mean, is George Condon a guy that you take a look at? Look, we saw, and look, I, I'm I'm not going to put any stock. Uh, in the summer league games, okay? We're, we're not even going to go there. That's for fun and giggles. But he was impressive in those games. He was impressive when he played in Puerto Rico, blocked a lot of shots. He doesn't have a, a lot of weight to carry, so he will get pushed around. Mm-hmm. But, look, there's a lot of guys. Everybody says, well, look at Kevin Durant. He doesn't. He's a string bean. Well, he's much He's much more stout than you think he is, than, than maybe what he looks like on TV. But Condon is going to have to, you know, I think, fill some minutes. And I think he's capable of doing that, Trent. I, I think that if they played up, say, against a Cincinnati team, how's that? A team that is rugged with beefy guys that are looking to bowl you around underneath that basket, he's going to struggle in that in that area. If they're playing a team that is a more of a finesse team, he'll probably do very well then if, if that's the matchup. I, I'm just throwing that out there as to what possibly could be other combinations for Iowa State. Going to be an interesting season, no doubt. And uh, there, there is a lot of elements to this team. I think a ton of talent, Jimmy B. But the job for Steve Prohm is a lot more difficult. Injuries, what's happening with Lard. 
in terms of talent, Jimmy B, not only is this team good enough to be the NCAA tournament, I think it's a lot more than that. But you have this element and what we're talking about with the big guys. Another thing I still wonder about, too, with Iowa State is the point guard position. When Iowa State mm-hmm. played their best last year, it was when they were moving Lindell Wigginton off the ball after his early season struggles, and then they went to the different route, and all of a sudden you saw Nick Weiler-Babb out there running the point and doing incredibly inf- effectively. He's not your prototypical point guard. He's not the break a guy down, turn an ankle kind of guy, right. but he ran the offense so efficiently. But then you have Lindell Wigginton, who is going to be mu- jumping to the NBA next season. That's what most everybody believes. In order to do that, he's going to have to do that as a point guard. He's going to want his hands, the ball in his hands a lot more. Jim, that's another component to this that you wonder, that can lead some problems. If they lose a game that they shouldn't, if they hit a rough stretch in the season, they look around and say, I get it, Lindell Wigginton's our most talented player, and to play at the next level, he's going to do it as a point guard. But for Iowa State this season, maybe the best course of action is to have Weiler Babb as a point guard. That can lead some problems. In terms of talent, this team's excellent, but there's a lot more here for Steve Prohm this season. I'm with you that there is a lot more there for Steve Prohm and for the team to kind of fit all the pieces of the puzzle together, but I am going to slightly disagree with you where you talked about Wigington, and I truly believe that his game has improved enough, Trent, that you will see him with the ball in his hands the majority of the time. Maybe in pressure situations coming down the stretch, Weiler Babb is on the court, and they do run kind of like a two-point guard sort of system with both of those guys there so they can put more pressure on the defense. Uh, I think Wigington will be able to break guys down off the dribble. I don't think he'll be as wild uh, a player as he was in his freshman year. And I, and I really believe that he will set himself up uh, to be a, a draft uh, prospectus in the upcoming NBA draft following this, uh, this season. I, I just see it from a different level, and I believe you'll, you'll be pleasantly surprised when you see how much Wigington has improved. It's going to be interesting to see this Iowa State team. Certainly compelling, yes. and uh, yeah. a lot coming out from there. We'll talk more Cyclones later in the program today as Matt Nelson will be joining us. Jim, to the Hawkeyes for a moment. Yesterday, the as we were talking, press conference going on with Kirk Ferentz, talking about the matchup with Penn State this week. It is interesting looking at this, where coming into the year, most everybody said, all right, Wisconsin, Penn State, those are going to be incredibly difficult. Is this game more winnable than it was even a week or two ago? Do you look at this a better chance of victory for the Hawkeyes than it was not too long ago against Penn State? I I would agree with that statement. I just think that Iowa has come so far, not only with their offense, but the way that the defense has solidified itself. The key will be at Penn State and playing against McSorley, who is a terrific quarterback, can throw it and run it, and his escapability is excellent. But Penn State is not hitting on all cylinders as we speak. They are kind of stumbling along a little bit. So I think Iowa is most likely going to catch them at just the right time. And if that's the case, right now I can see Iowa pulling a close win out. I just think that their defense, Trent, has made leaps and jumps uh, from the first few games of the regular season. And they are extremely, extremely confident now with what they can do on the field. 
as they should be. This Iowa team is playing at a high, high level. They are. Wonder uh, Another thing that I want to get your read on, Nate Stanley, he struggled throwing the football, right? It was in the wind. We get that. But it wasn't mm-hmm. just struggling throwing the football. There were times where felt like he was a little bit gun-shy, that he wasn't exactly excited about getting the ball out in those conditions. Can that carry over? Does that carry over to this game against Penn State? You're going into a difficult environment, 110,000 people right. there at Beaver Stadium. It's going to be loud. It's going to be certainly the loudest place that, that he has played in this season. When you put all that together, is that something that that little mental hiccup that he had last week? Because I, I think that was a big component. There were opportunities to throw the football even in that win, but he wasn't able to pull the trigger. Can that carry over week to week? I suppose that it probably can, but until I see what plays out against Penn State, I'm going to say no. I think some of that was a component of a couple of things. One, the way that Maryland rushed him. Two, the wind conditions were absolutely horrible with 40-mile-per-hour gusts and the way that it was swirling in the stadium. And I, I, I think probably that he lost confidence in himself as far as throwing the football because he felt that he couldn't really deliver it the way that he was used to doing that against Indiana and against Minnesota. So I'm going to say that the wind conditions probably had something to do with his psyche. If it's a similar weather pattern that they get at Penn State, and I haven't looked at it yet today, Trent, to see if it's going to be uh, rainy, snowy, or windy yet. Rainy, it looks Um, like. Rainy. Rain, 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 but it doesn't appear to be real windy. I don't think the rain will be a major factor in this. Players are used to playing in that. As as you and I pointed out last week when we were getting ready for the game at Kinnick, it's the wind that uh, really drives players crazy. Finally, Jim, time for this. Time now for Jimmy B's crappy NBA Minute. Jim Brisson was unsailed in Chicago, Chicago Stadium. Ricky Mahorn hustling underneath, can't get at the ball. Short to the hoop, king in the air, scores! All right, everybody. LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers have not won a game yet. But look who they have lost to. Lost to a close playoff team in Portland, in Portland. Lost to Houston that took the champion Golden State Warriors to seven games. Then lost to a San Antonio Spurs team in overtime, and they scored 142 points and had a fight. Don't get all excited that the Lakers are going to be lousy. They're 0-3. It will take time for LeBron and company to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And when they do, they're going to be just fine. I had Laker friends say to me, what in the wide, wide world of sport is going on here? It's over, Jimmy B. It's over. We're out of time. Segment number one. Coming up next, we're going to be talking a little World Series. Ian Castleberry, excuse me, Ian Castleberry, easy for me to say. He's going to stop by next. We're taking a look at the World Series. Game one in the books. It goes to the Red Sox. Game two coming up tonight. And some cycling talk all to come on Jimmy B and TC. All new morning show on 1700, The Champ, Taz, and the Moose. Every weekday morning from 5 to 8. Real sports talk for real sports fans. Are you interested in starting a new franchise? 
you can find a lawyer right here in the state of Iowa to help with your franchise law needs. Rush Niggin with Brick Gentry Law PC provides law services for those involved in starting a new franchise. Find more information online at rushonbusiness.com where Rush Niggin can assist you in buying or starting a new franchise. A presenting sponsor of the 2018 high school football season on 1700 KBGG. Brick Gentry Law PC and Rush Niggin. The votes are in and the people have spoken. The majority of Central Iowa residents are sick of their old rides. Hey, Joe Clements here from Capital, Capital City, City Motor, Motor Company. Company. All these political ads are hogging the airtime and blocking me out, leaving me with absentee buyers and way too many cars. So I'm left with a huge election selection. That means you could save up to four grand on a nicer, newer car or rally your party for just ten bucks down. Cast your old ride aside and vote for a nicer, newer car today. Worried your credit will keep you off the ticket? Don't be my one and only for the people. Credit approval process means we want to say yes to to you, even if you've been told no before. So join the nicer, newer car party and get the car you deserve. Elect to drive a nicer, newer car and save up to four grand or just ten bucks down. But hurry, just like campaign promises, this deal won't last past the end of the month. I'm Joe Clements, and I'm your dealer for the people, and I approve this message. Come see us at Capital City Motor Company in Des Moines on East University, one block off I-235 on the State Fair side. Call 265-1467 or online at ApprovedByJoe.com ApprovedByJoe.com www.approvedbyjoe.com Back with you on a Wednesday edition. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 The Champ. And happy to be welcomed in by our next guest. He's our baseball insider all throughout baseball season. He is Ian Castleberry with us today. Ian, how are things? Things are great. How are you guys doing? Can't complain. Can't complain. A compelling game last night. Game one in the books for the World Series. A look ahead to game two. We'll get into that momentarily. But before we look forward, let's look back at what we saw last night. And got to start with the starting pitchers, both Kershaw and Sale. Velocity down for both of those games. As you look at these once great lefties, still good lefties, but not what they once were. Your takeaway from the pitching matchup last night? Uh, I think it was somewhat expected. Uh, Kershaw and Sale, uh, I didn't think we were going to get a pitcher's duel uh, given uh, the power of the lineups uh, for both the Dodgers and the Red Sox. But if you're the Dodgers, I do wonder if you know they, they chased Chris Sale after four innings uh, go, going into the fifth, and uh, Boston's bullpen is arguably uh, the weakest spot uh, on their roster. If, I, I wonder if the Dodgers are going to look back at this game one and say, we, uh, you know, we got to Chris Sale, we got into that bullpen, uh, in the fifth inning, and we didn't come away with the win because normally I, I think uh, going into this series, I think that would have been uh, what the Dodgers uh, outlined as their formula toward winning the World Series. Ian, I'm real curious about last night's game to the point where Dave Roberts, the manager of the uh, L.A. Dodgers, he comes out for the uh, presentation at home plate to exchange lineup cards. He gets like a standing ovation. I'll tell you, Red Sox fans have not forgotten what he did for that team. Oh, I, that, that's one of the many great storylines uh, with this series. Um, you know, as fun as it was to see uh, uh, the Brewers uh, make their postseason run, I, I'm really happy that it's the, the Red Sox and the Dodgers. Uh, for uh, one of the reasons you mentioned, uh, uh, Dave Roberts, uh, you know, uh, an all-time hero in Red Sox lore. Uh, maybe this is the one week uh, where he actually will have to pay for a meal uh, in Boston. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that history uh, behind this and uh, 
you know, uh, the, the, the friendships uh, and the relationships of the various storylines that are going through this series, uh, you know, uh, a couple, what was it, uh, yesterday or a couple of days before, you know, you had the storyline with uh, Eric Gagne, uh, former Dodgers closer, uh, informing his buddy Alex Cora that uh, the Red Sox closer Craig Kimbrell might be tipping his pitches. And, you know, if you're a Dodgers fan, how do you feel about that? Uh, with uh, one of the maybe the best closer in Dodgers history, helping out the Red Sox and possibly helping them uh, win a World Series. So this series is just uh, full of uh, intriguing storylines like that. Well, and a lot of people on the other side, yeah, we, we saw an ovation certainly for Dave Roberts from the Red Sox fans. Dodger fans, though, not nearly as happy with Roberts after the decision. Yanking Pedro Baez last night, he was looking dominant when he came into the game. Decided to go to the pen, used all his bench players early on. Of course, Cora went with Nunez, and we know what happened with the shot barely over the Green Monster in left field. Dave Roberts, uh, your thoughts on him, second time in the World Series. How was he as a manager last night? Yeah, he may have outsmarted himself a little bit. If there's one uh, criticism of Dave Roberts is that maybe he does go uh, with the analytics uh, a little too hard. Uh, follows them too closely rather than following uh, the flow of the game. As you said, uh, Pedro Baez uh, w- w- was dominant, uh, hadn't faced that many batters, hadn't thrown that many pitches. Alex Wood, uh, you know, I-, I guess the idea being uh, to get Devers uh, out-, out of the game and possibly bring Eduardo Nunez, uh, who is arguably a weaker batter, uh, into that game. Uh, Dave Roberts uh, always going for the matchup. Uh, and in this case, I think it, it did uh, it, it did bite him. Maybe he did uh, out, outsmart uh, himself. Uh, if he's faced with a similar situation later in this series, uh, you wonder if he's going to make the decision. But I, I think any late game situation, if your choices are Pedro Baez uh, or Alex Wood, uh, you know, to, to try and get to uh, the eighth inning at least, uh, and Kenley Jansen, I think you got to go. Uh, with Pedro Baez, uh, regardless of, of what the matchups might say. Ian Castleberry is our guest, Jimmy B and TC, right here on 1700 The Champ. Ian, tonight's contest, is it going to be similar? Are we going to get chicks dig the long ball, or are we going to get to both teams have to try to manufacture runs? Where are you? Yeah, I think we're going to get a, a little more offense. I mean, you know, game one, obviously, an 8-4 to four score. Uh, it was relatively high scoring, especially late. But uh, Hayujin Rayu uh, versus David Price, uh, I don't think uh, we're going to get a pitcher's duel here. Uh, Price, uh, maybe he got that postseason monkey off his back uh, in Game 5 uh, against the Astros, uh, the series clincher. But uh, pitching at Fenway Park uh, in the World Series, you wonder if the moment uh, is going to overwhelm him. And then Rayu... Uh, you know, I don't think ideally would be the Dodgers uh, game two starter, but I, I think Dave Roberts uh, looking down the line, uh, starting Walker Buehler uh, in game three uh, and forcing uh, Robert, Dave Roberts, or I'm sorry, Alex Cora, uh, to go w- with a more lefty-heavy uh, matchup. So I think we are going to get uh, some more offense, uh, some more long balls. Uh, uh, but, you know, if you're the Dodgers, I, I think you still want it to come down to the later innings and that bullpen, it's just incumbent upon Dave Roberts, uh, you know, to, to uh, push the right button and call the right arm out of the bullpen. Correct arm, that is. 
Well, uh, you know, this is this is a big one, Ian. The free tacos. Free tacos. Yeah. Mookie Betts. <laughs> what what a performance out of him. I don't care what happens when he's playing second base in games three and four out there at Dodger Stadium. He got us free tacos. What a man, Ian. He's the MVP to me. Yeah, what a, what a hero. Postseason hero. The, the legend of Mookie Betts uh, continues. You know, I have never uh, uh, cashed in, so to speak, uh, on this uh, free taco giveaway. Uh, oh. So this might be the year. I think, uh, yeah, you know, who, who doesn't love uh, free tacos at, at Taco Bell? I can't believe I can't believe I haven't done this before. So this is the year uh, it'll be uh, I will tip my uh, hard taco shell uh, to Mookie Betts when that happens. I, I went through the, well, I drove towards the drive through last season after <laughs> it happened, and then I saw the line and I said, no, a Taco Bell taco is not waiting that long and that long of a line to get a free one of those. <laughs> I decided to take another shot. Hey, Ian, speaking of, of Mookie Betts, though, and I mentioned him playing second base when they shift over to Dodger Stadiums for Game 3 and hopefully a Game 5. Hopefully we don't get a sweep out of this thing. But your thoughts on that? J.D. Martinez moving to the outfield, obviously a DH throughout the whole season. How big of an impact is that going to be? It's going to be an impact, no doubt, defensively to the Red Sox, especially as good as they are in the outfield. But are we maybe over talking about this? Is it a big deal? How do you see that? No, I don't. I don't think we're over talking about this at all. I think it's one of the most intriguing uh, storylines of this World Series. Uh, Mookie Betts, you know, he came up as a second baseman. Obviously, hasn't played it full time uh, in about three seasons. But uh, uh, I, I would like it, I like his chances of uh, fielding his position well. Uh, the worry for the Red Sox would be, uh, you know, whether it affects him. Uh, at the plate, uh, of a far greater concern, I think, is having J.D. Martinez out in right field, uh, a rather spacious outfield uh, in Dodger Stadium. Uh, at one point, advanced metrics said uh, uh, J.D. Martinez uh, was a good, uh, at times a very good right fielder uh, for the Tigers uh, and for the Diamondbacks, but he hasn't played uh, the outfield virtually uh, all season. Um, it, it's one of the things that makes the World Series uh, so interesting, you know, uh, playing national when American League teams have to play National League rules. But uh, it, it's not difficult to see a situation where, you know, there's a ball hit in the gap or hit toward right field. Uh, is J.D. Martinez uh, going to come through? And also, will playing uh, the outfield affect him uh, at the plate? Anything, you know, baseball players, uh, really all athletes, but baseball players especially really seem locked into their routines, and anything uh, that upsets that, especially in the postseason, uh, I think could be a significant factor. So I don't think we're overplaying this at all. Ian, thank you as always for your time, pal, and enjoy uh, Game 2 of the World Series tonight. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Good stuff. Ian Castleberry joining us, talking Major League Baseball. Game 2 of the World Series tonight. As mentioned, it'll be Rio on the mound against David Price. A couple of lefties out there in Fenway Park. Coming up next, we're talking Cyclones. Matt Nelson, wide right, Natty Light. He is going to join us. We'll get into the matchup this weekend. Iowa State and Texas Tech. And we'll do it next. Jimmy B and TC continues on 1700 The Champ. Back with you one final time. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 The Champ. Trent Cotta, Jim Brinson, talking the world of sports with you. We go next to Iowa State. Football conversation, Texas Tech coming up this weekend. Big 12 basketball media day is also going on today. And joining us to talk all things Cyclones, he is Matt, Matt Nelson from Wide Right Natty Light. Matty, what's happening? Hey, uh, not a whole lot, guys. Just trying to uh, wrap up the harvest season here in, in southwest Iowa. So 
finally some weather to cooperate with. Beautiful, and and the cell connection sounds good down there. Sometimes you, you get a little concerned about it. I usually do. My office seems to be like a dead zone for some mm. reason, which is not exactly conducive to uh, productivity. <laughs> That's a good excuse at the very least. Boss calls. Sorry, I can't hear you, boss. Uh, you have to get to me later. You could use that one. Well, Matt, we're not here to talk about Harvest, though, today. We're here to talk about the Cyclones. What a start on the football front. We'll get to the basketball and Big 12 Media Days coming up here in just a little bit. But, you know, I've talked to a lot of Iowa State fans, and even back to the bye week, it feels to me like a lot of people are overlooking this Texas Tech team. And I understand what they've done to them the last couple of years. Two years ago, Pat Mahomes comes in. They throttle him 66-10. Last year, 31-13, a dominating performance over them in Lubbock. But, Matt, this Texas Tech team, they're different. They're defensively much better. They got their quarterback back after that health scare and the collapsed lung. This is not what you've seen from the Red Raiders, at least in my estimation, the last two years. Do you see it the same way? Yeah, you know, I see, I see it both ways, quite frankly. And I know that's the, the middle of the road. I do, t- I do tend to uh, agree with you. I'm, I'm not going to completely be wishy-washy here on uh, on you guys' fine radio show, but um, I think it's kind of you've got to kind of temper what you've seen um, from Texas Tech in some regards, just due to their schedule. They've got a nice win over Houston. Um, in general, though, they haven't really played uh, the same caliber of, of schedule that we've seen. Um, you know, even what Iowa State's gone through playing the top half of the Big 12 all to start the season. But I think where people are maybe overlooking Texas Tech is what they've been able to do offensively. Um, and with your, and with, uh, Bowman at quarterback, as you mentioned, who, yeah, talk about a health scare, a, a, a collapsed lung for Alan Bowman, uh, definitely terrifying. He's been electric. He's completed 70% of his passes and thrown for 14 touchdowns. And, uh, on top of that, they've been able to, uh, to run the ball a little bit better than normal as well, which, uh, when Baylor was clicking at their best uh, before Art Bryles dragged that program uh, down to depths we don't speak of on this show, um, they were running the ball really well. And I think uh, Texas Tech has kind of found some of that uh, that same recipe. So uh, I would agree with you. I think some people tend uh, tend to overlook them, and I'm anxious to see what they look like on Saturday. Matt, my uh, question is the Iowa State defense as good it has been so far, A, what is making it click so well now since we're in the middle of the season? And B, is it just Brock Purdy stepping into that quarterback spot, or is the offense better because everybody has kind of figured out where they have to go and B? Yeah, so great questions, uh, Jimmy. I'm going I'm to address the, your uh, second one first. In terms of the, in terms of the offense, um, I think it's a little bit of, of both. I know Matt Campbell has said all year long that they can't run with you know, their full playbook and the offense is not where they want it to be. Uh, some of that is due to having multiple quarterbacks and playing you know, quarterbacks that aren't mobile like Zeb Nolan and Kyle Kemp. So while some of that is, is Brock Purdy, I think the rest of it is being able to use uh, more of the offense as well as what you mentioned, players knowing where they're supposed to be. I, I think that the topsy-turvy start of the season kind of caused that. You, know, you don't get to play South Dakota State. And then you play Iowa, a team that you game plan for completely differently than you do any other team on your schedule, uh, just due to the style of, of play that they present. So I think that kind of did set back their offensive development a little bit, and um, and now you're starting to uh, to finally see that click. And uh, remind me, what was your first question again? Uh, talking about the defense and the way that they yeah. have been able all of a sudden midway through to dominate. 
Yes. So, uh, sorry for the uh, slight. For, I got excited about uh, Iowa State's offense and lost track of the defense. <laughs> no, uh, the defense. Uh, it's it's a it's a bit of two things I feel. So one is uh, turnovers, and I know we talked a lot about this last year on uh, when I came on your show, and um, they were very good at forcing turnovers last year, and also good about not turning it over themselves on offense. But turnovers is something that you can't project year to year. I know that's been a big focal point as we've gotten into advanced analytics. Is turnovers are very unpredictable, and what we saw through the first part of the season were you know we weren't forcing turnovers on defense. Uh, now you go back to uh, the last few weeks, they've started started to get a little bit better at it. You know, you get I know against West Virginia, you know, they only forced one, uh, but I think that they're starting to kind of create some of those. Uh, and I, I kind of include sacks in that. Uh, I know a sack isn't a turnover, but to me, it's such a big negative impact play, and the way it can impact a drive, it's similar to uh, having a fumble or something like that. So recording 14 sacks through two games. Um, and to me kind of has the same impact as if they would be forcing three turnovers in a game. Uh, and I think that's why we've seen the, the defense kind of elevate their play. You know, Matt, as uh, you look at what this team has been able to do here as of late, the offensive explosion the and, and more of the week with the running game and the, the passing US game Army, with Brock Purdy. The most now they have Kyle Kemp working his way back from injury. Yeah, and he was listed the as the number two quarterback. Was that Nolan Moore on the depth chart that was released on Monday? For Take us inside the mind of, of Matt Campbell, what you think he's doing, what he should be doing with Kyle Kemp, the six-year senior. But we know the starter's Brock Purdy. Absolutely. So, you know, I guess if I'm Matt Campbell, I look at this from two different angles. The first is the way that Brock Purdy has been playing. I know it's two games, but you've gotten a bye week to kind of assess his play, and I think he can learn a lot from what what happened in the season up to now. You've also got a a sixth-year player who's a team captain, one of the you know the best leaders on the football team, and who has played well for you uh, last year and showed a lot of improvement over the offseason. So I guess what you look at the situation is, you know, does Kemp earn? Has he earned some playing time yet this year? I think he has, and I, I think Matt Campbell has said as much that he's going to play in some respect. But also, he got hurt during that Iowa game. He hasn't played. He hasn't returned to practice until this past week. How long is it going to, to take him to get up to speed? So uh, I think that's kind of, I'm sure, what Campbell is juggling. And, and I guess my personal opinion, guys, is when Iowa State – uh, gets further into the season and gets into some more game management type situations, I think that's where you'll see uh, a rotation of quarterbacks open back up again with Kyle Kemp uh, getting back on the field. Do you think that Texas Tech comes in? They did have success on the road at TCU, uh, held TCU to only like 14 points and won that game. This, I think this game, I, I, I'm just cautioning fans to not overlook Texas Tech. I just don't think you can do that, Matt. I, I think they're going to show up, and I believe that Ryan Gosling on the sidelines uh, has done a pretty good job of getting this team prepared for this upcoming game. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think when it comes to this game, Iowa State fans need to throw out what's happened the last two years. I, I know that's hard to do uh, when you whoop up on teams the way Iowa State has, has handled Texas Tech the past two seasons, but I think in, in those games the last two years, uh, Cliff Kingsbury also had an issue with his football team. I think the year Joel Lanning scored five touchdowns, he had lost that locker room, and those players had nothing to play for. And I think uh, Iowa State kind of ran into uh, a similar situation with Texas Tech last year. And 
And I agree with you, you know, getting your quarterback healthy again and I clearly the way their defense has responded means that uh, Kingsbury has definitely figured something out on that side of the ball. Um, so I think it's going to be, a, you know, a, a tougher matchup than what people think. Uh, however, where I ultimately look at it at the end of the day is while their defense has improved, uh, it had a long way to, uh, I guess, a lot to improve from uh, versus a normal Texas Tech team. So um, I still think it's a defense that's going to be similar to what Iowa State has, has faced. And Iowa State's faced some pretty good defenses, defenses that are better than West, uh, than Texas Tech, excuse me, uh, up to now. And then um, so I'm going to be watching for that. And then, and then on offense, how has Brock Purdy progressed? Has he learned from the you know the mistakes he's made? Have they implemented more of the offense? Is he more comfortable running it now? I mean, he surely looks comfortable. He's thrown for over 70% completion and really has held his mistakes to a few bad, inter- uh, two bad interceptions in particular. But, um, yeah, I-, I still agree with you. I think it's going to be a much closer game than what people think. Matt, let's jump over to basketball in our final few minutes here. Uh, it is Big 12 Media Days today down in Kansas City. Some interesting nuggets starting to come out there, including... Cam Lard, he didn't play in the super-secret scrimmage that isn't that secret anymore against Nebraska, <laughs> and now facing what uh, Steve Prohm today called disciplinary measures. Fill us in on the big man for the clones. Yep, that's uh, definitely something that Steve had to address at Media Days this morning. What it sounds like in the follow-up session is that uh, the disciplinary issues are, are nothing new uh, I, my guess is, and this is kind of what Prom alluded to, is, is that they're retroactive to last season. So late in the year, we know Cameron's sad and had, and had certainly some attitude problems. Uh, while he's addressed these and, and is working on improving his habits and has all throughout the summer, uh, I think Steve Prom still feels that there needs to be some punishment for the way that things went. And um, maybe not punishment as much as I, you need to show it to me by sitting out a game or two that you can handle it and that you're ready to uh, to come back and not let something like missing a game keep you from doing the positive things that you need to keep doing. So that's the way that I see it. Uh, certainly could have an impact on the, uh, the early part of the season, um, as long, but I guess that could be mitigated so long as Lard is ready by the time they go to Hawaii for the Maui Invitational. Uh, does that mean Michael Jacobson uh, is going to pick up all of those minutes? Is that your assessment? Yeah, that's that's 100% my my assessment of the situation, and you can look at uh, look forward to the the wide right 90 light season previews. Uh, will be coming out here uh, early next week, and these always contain predictions for Iowa State for the league and kind of some random predictions for uh, both Iowa State and the conference as well. And one of mine, uh, just kind of as a spoiler, is that Iowa State plays a lot of four guard lineups this year, and I think Steve Prom alluded to that as much uh, in an, in an interview with. I know it's on CycloneFanatic.com. I'll give them credit for doing a great interview uh, with Steve Prohm. But I think uh, while Solomon Young is out with his groin injury and Cameron Lard doesn't play, I absolutely think that Michael Jacobson starts with uh, a similar lineup to what we saw in the scrimmage. So Taylor Horton Tucker playing the other forward position uh, with Wyler Babb, Shayok, and, and Lindell Wigington rounding out the guard court. So uh, I expect we'll see a lot of Jacobson this year, particularly early on in the season. Yeah, Solomon Young is going to be out for a while with that groin injury, and because of that, George Condit, uh, a freshman coming in, not bulky by any means, but he is tall, he is a post, if you will. Do you think because of this and because of what Lard's going through, George Condit going to see at least early on more minutes than we anticipated? Yes, yeah, so that that's a great question, and I think that's probably another part of the equation as well. I, I, 
Steve Prohm didn't address that specifically today at Media Days, but that's kind of the, the general thought. Um, while you're right, he is a little bit uh, lanky. Uh, he certainly has the size. When he played for Puerto Rico uh, this summer, he blocked a lot of shots. He showed that he was a, a very good rebounder and also has a, a bit more skill when it comes to handling the ball and, and passing than what I think uh, most of us have given him credit for. So I do expect him to play uh, to play early on and, and maybe see that time diminish as, as Lard and as Solomon Young come back from injury. But um, going to be interesting to see how Iowa State uh, handles counting on uh, you know, a true freshman like that for some key reserve minutes in the post. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, out of time for today, Matt, as always. Thank you for joining us, and we'll keep our eye out over at Wide Right Natty Light looking for all the great content you guys pump out on the Cyclones. Thank you today, Matt. Thanks, guys. Take care. Matt Nelson joining us here. Give him a follow on Twitter at Matt uh, M underscore Nelson. ISU is where you can find Matt as we talk Cyclones with him. All right, Jimmy B, uh, our final minute of the program today. Red Sox and Dodgers, I told you yesterday, bet on a run being scored in the first inning. Did you do it, Jimmy B? Under advisement, I passed on that. Mm, However, mm. I did take the Red Sox last night, so from that aspect, I was okay. But what do you got for me? Because this, I, I will bite tonight if you've got something. Well, I told you yesterday, do it every game. And, and in oh, the end, okay. every game. The, okay. the math is supposed to work out. Now, you're already behind the eight ball, so now I, I'd probably say you got to stay away from it. Now you're in trouble because you didn't listen to me yesterday, Jimmy B. You could have got it at plus 145. <laughs> you're not listening, of course. And, of course, you're here, so you didn't win the Powerball or whatever that stupid thing was last night. What happened there? So I am so disappointed because I was ready to come in and cut you a check <laughs> to fix that leak in your roof. Well, it wasn't the roof. It was pipe under the bathroom. That's what it was. Uh, Roof's good. We're good there. It was a bathroom okay. problem, and uh, yeah, that's what happens. But we're all fixed up. We're ready to go. And a uh, big thank you to Reiner Plumbing for, for hooking me up with that one and uh, getting us ready. Tonight, Game 2 of the World Series. Football back tomorrow. We got some intriguing Thursday night college games. The NFL will be back mm-hmm. and a whole lot more, and we'll be back to talk about it here tomorrow, 1 o'clock till 2 o'clock with Jimmy B and TC. Coming up later this afternoon, it's The Drive. Myself and Wolfgang will bring you home. Rob Howe will be with us. We'll talk Hawkeyes with him. Matt Postens live from Big 12 Basketball Media Day. He'll be by in the 4 o'clock hour. And Ben Kerchival talking college football. That's on The Drive from 4 until 6 o'clock. Thanks, everybody out there for listening in. We'll be back with you tomorrow here on 1700 The Champ.